Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Sunday, April the 10th, 2022. It is currently 2.23 p.m. Central Time. I'm sorry, I'm almost starting to laugh. Sunday, for some weird reason, it's, it's always weird. Sometimes when you start and you'll say something and just for some reason, the word just seems completely wrong. Welcome, everyone. It is Sunday. And for Sunday, it just, it did not seem, it just didn't sound right. Welcome, everyone. It is Sunday, April the 10th, 2022. It is now 2.23 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, if you were listening this morning at around 10 a.m., we did an hour of teaching in the book of Jude, and then at about 11 15, 11, 20 a.m. We did an hour of teaching, really, and Isaiah. It's in our series on the book of Romans, but we're in Romans 9, which took us to Isaiah, and we spent about an hour there. And then this evening, starting around 6 p.m., we'll be broadcasting live once again, and we'll be studying Matthew chapter 24. Now, if you would like to be able to get all of our content if you would like to listen to us when we're live, if you would like to receive notifications when we are live, if you would like to receive notifications when we upload any new sermons or anything that's made available on demand, and if you would like to just receive any notifications that we send out, the best way to do so is go to your app store of choice, Google Play or the Apple App Store, do a search for Church One, that's Church O-N-E, Church O-N-E. Once you download the app, simply do a search for Theology Central, Choose us as your preferred broadcaster, and you will have access to everything. I'll be adding uh, to the Church One app, I'll be adding the sermons from this morning, probably here in the next hour or so, but I can't add them right now because I'm currently live on the air, all right? So, but it's Sunday afternoon, uh, a lot of teaching already we've done, more teaching to come, but I wanted to go live this afternoon to just do a little bit more teaching and to really follow up on a broadcast that I did, let's see here, when was the broadcast done? Uh, the broadcast was done back in March. Yeah, March the 29th, 2022. March the 29th, 2022, we did a, uh, I did a program called What Contributes to Practical Godliness? Now, if you go back to March the 28th, I did a program called Practical Godliness, right? Practical Godliness, then we, uh, and then on March the 29th, what contributes to practical godliness? So we were really uh, focused in on those broadcasts. We have our positional godliness, right? That's my position before God. And that is based off an imputed righteousness, right? So that has, that doesn't change me in any meaningful, in any practical way. It declares me to be perfect before God because of an imputed righteousness. But practical righteousness is where I'm attempting to live out and practice what is true positionally, if that makes any sense. But we asked an important question. What really contributes to your practical godliness? What really helps you grow spiritually? What helps you become more godly? What helps you to sin less and less and less? And I asked everyone to identify what things really, in a really practical way, very brutally honest, what really contributes to their spiritual growth? And I gave you a bunch of options, podcast, Bible study, just a lot of different things. And I've also, I included church in that, that list. 
Because I think I think everyone would tell you, yes, we're supposed. You know, you're a Christian. You're supposed to go to church. The church is talked about in the Bible. So you immediately may want to say church. But I think when a lot of people are brutally honest, they're like, okay, well, I'll go to church. Yeah, I meet people. Yeah, we talk. Okay, there's a sermon. But I think sometimes if we're really honest, a lot of people say, well, I don't know if church is really contributing to my spiritual growth in any meaningful way. I'm growing more spiritually by this podcast or doing this Bible study or or just a lot of times it's something other than the church. You don't want to admit that, right? Because you're just trained to say church, church. That's just what you're trained to say. It's like you know, the memo is sent out and you're supposed to say this about church. But I think sometimes in practice, it's not really true. I mean, I I, I, I I will just say this. I think we all have to be on, honest with ourselves. There, At least I can't speak from where you live, but where I live right here in Abilene, Texas, there's a church literally on every street corner. There are hundreds of churches, three Christian universities. This is like a church-covered town. There's a church everywhere, okay? But Despite all the churches, in spite of all the churches, they're everywhere. I, I, are we any more godly? In other words, a lot of people go to church, but what is really happening in church? What is really being accomplished by people getting in their car, driving to a church building, and sitting there? What is really happening? Now, I, now some are going to immediately get defensive and say, you're attacking the church. I'm not. I'm just thinking that we have to ask the question, what is really happening within the church? So we talked about it, and I gave everyone the opportunity to send me a list of what really contributes to your godliness if you're being brutally honest. Now, no one who sent me an answer, not one person put church as number one. Not one person, which I was absolutely shocked by. Not one person. They they may have had church on their list, but not one person said, church is the thing that helps me grow the most. It is at like not not one person. In fact, some even argued that based off their past experiences in churches, that churches were actually detrimental to their spiritual growth and made them frustrated and bitter and discouraged and depressed. And I'm like, whoa, that's that's not a good sign. Now, that's not a scientific study. I'm not in any way claiming that I've discovered some, you know, truth out there. I just think it would be interesting to do a a further study to see. I wonder if people are really honest, where would church fit in in their list of what contributes to their spiritual growth and their practical godliness? Now, the reason I'm mentioning those older broadcasts from March is because somewhere after the broadcast aired on, let's see, March the 29th, I'm, I'm, I'm looking again, March the 29th, 2022, after that broadcast concluded, I don't know if it was on that day or if it was a couple of days later, I stumbled across a, across a sermon entitled, Do I Need Church to Grow? I'm like, well, they're kind of asking the same question, right? I'm asking, what contributes to your practical godliness? And they're asking the question, do I need church to grow? Now, I am about, I, I have not listened to the sermon because you know that's that's what I do. If, I, if I'm going to bring it to you, I don't listen to it in advance because I don't like my responses to be rehearsed and planned out. I just, I saw the title and was like, we, we'll listen to this together because I am guessing, this is just pure speculation, that they're going to answer in the affirmative, yes, you do, do need church to grow. They're going to answer that they they may even go so far to say it's absolutely essential, it's necessary, and without it, you can't grow, and without it, your spiritual life is going to be a train wreck. 
They, they may be, go that far. I don't know if they will, but they may. But here, here's what we have. We have the sermon ready to go. So it's a Sunday afternoon, 2.30 p.m., 2.31 p.m. Let's jump in. Let's just jump in and let's, uh, let's listen to this and uh, let's, we'll, just, we'll just take it apart. We're going to analyze it, reviews it, review it, critique it. I'm not going into this like, like, I haven't listened to it. So nobody can accuse me like, you're just picking sermons that you want to bash. No, I, I, I really, I'm curious to know what it has to say. So I was going to listen to it anyway. So why not just come up here, hook up the podcast equipment, let's listen to it together and let's react to it. And, and, and if you're listening live and you're using the Spreaker app, feel free to post your thoughts in the chat. You can always email me your thoughts, newsif at yahoo.com, or you can post them in the YouTube comment section or wherever else you're listening to us. Uh, if you're listening to us on Sermons 2.0 or the Church One app, uh, feel free to email me and let me know your thoughts. All right, here we go. Let's go to this. I don't know, I don't know the date of this sermon. I currently don't have any information about this sermon. I don't even know how I came across it. I don't even know. I, don't, I just saw it and said, save. That's, that's what I did. Say, say, as soon as I saw the title, I'm like, that's something I'm going to listen to. So today is the day we're going to listen to it. And it's, again, connected to the March 29th uh, episode we did of the Theology Central podcast. I have a Bible. have a notebook. Let's jump in. Here we go. Second Peter chapter number one. Second Peter chapter one, it says in verse number one, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The topic of today is we need the church to grow in grace. Now we're going to look at the verses Okay, so he's just making it, I mean, right from the start, he's not leaving you, there's no ambiguity here. Hey, we need the church to grow in grace. We need it. So the question would be, well, if we don't have it, can we not grow in grace? Or can, or do we grow in grace more so with the church? Can we still grow or is it absolutely like necessary? He says, we need it to grow. Now it's interesting, he's quoting 2 Peter Chapter one, verse one, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us. He really emphasized with us through the righteousness of God and our savior, Jesus Christ. Now he's emphasizing the with us. So I'm assuming he's going to go with the idea that, see, it's us with us together and we have to be together in the church or we cannot grow. Now he's going to, I'm assuming he's going to go through some other verses, I think it's an interesting passage to, like, if your thesis is we need the church to grow, Second Peter chapter 1, at least initially, it's not probably where I would have gone. I probably would have gone somewhere else. So I'm, now I'm fascinated on how this is going to, I guess, prove his point. He's making, he's making his point. Let me put it this way. He's putting forth his thesis. He's putting forth his hypothesis, except his thesis and his hypothesis is not 
It's not even to be, he's not challenge, he's not going to try, well, I guess he's going to put forth his thesis and hypothesis and then set out to prove it. But he's stating it in a very dogmatic way. We need the church to grow. All right, let's see how he proves this. That surround this topic, we're going to look at a couple of other passages. It's going to be more of a Bible study kind of a style today. We're talking about growing in grace. How do we grow in grace? Well, we don't do it by ourselves. Thankfully, we are not responsible for growing in grace by ourselves. God. That's an interesting dogmatic claim. We are not responsible to grow in grace by ourselves. We do not grow in grace by ourselves. All right. And I guess what he, I guess, so we're not, we don't do it that way. We're not responsible to do it that way. So we need others. And I guess the others is going to be the church. And so we need the church to grow. Now, again, when I, when I asked everyone what contributes most to your growth, not one person said the church. Everyone pointed to something different. So I, I find it fascinating that there are people out there who are like, look, my growth and grace is not, I did not come from a church. It came from something else. Now, maybe, maybe, maybe we have to define what do we mean by church, right? Are we referring to church as a local body that I go to? Or are we just looking for the church as just a generic term to refer to the body of Christ? So you are benefiting, in a sense, from the church in a more broader sense because other Christians are contributing to your spiritual growth. Maybe, maybe that's a way around it. Let's just see where he goes. Has given us an incredible support structure in the local church. And we're going to look at that today. Let's pray. So an incredible support structure. I'm trying to think this through. I'm trying to be fair here. And again, everyone's personal experience is going to greatly impact, I think, how they hear this. See, when I hear this, and I think, has the church been an incredible support structure for my spiritual growth? And I honestly have to say, it hasn't. I think of all the churches I've attended, they're typically they're either there were no support, actually were negative towards everything that I was trying to do, or just because of the problems fighting and the problems within church. It just, I, I, is, do you feel like the church has been a support structure for your spiritual growth? I mean, almost all, all of my growth spiritually happened outside of the, of the church. Maybe that's too negative. I, I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, but okay. Do you see the church as this massive support structure? Now he's going to pray and then he's going to go into the topic. Here we go. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, you would bless now as we look into your word. Lord Jesus, I pray that if someone is here today, they're not sure that they're saved, that you would show them through your word. You would convince them that they need to place their faith and trust in you alone. And Lord, for those of us who are saved, I pray that you would reinforce and help us to see this truth in your word, that you've given us the local church to help us grow. We love you. Please help me as I speak. In Jesus' name I pray. 
Amen. Now that, now we could, that's, I think it's interesting that he just worded it that way in his prayer. God has given us the church to help us grow. We could argue the purpose of the church is to equip saints so they're no longer tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. I think we can all agree that maybe that should be what the church should be doing. That is the purpose of the church. The question is, does the church really contribute? In other words, here's what the church is supposed to be doing. But in reality, it's not offering support and it's actually not contributing to growth. It's actually counterproductive to growth. Like, that it's one thing to say this is what the church should be doing, but it's another thing to say what is it doing. So let's continue. I want you to notice in verse number one, Simon Peter. Now, this is the apostle, the apostle Peter. And he's the one who wrote this by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And this particular book of the Bible has his name on it. Peter, okay, Simon Peter, and he describes himself and he says, a servant and an apostle. Now, a servant is something that we should all be. We should all be servants of the Lord if we're saved. An apostle was a special thing that only several people could have. And he was one of these special people that were trained bodily under Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry. The apostle Paul was another one, and he was trained a little bit later, bodily also by Jesus Christ in a separate, in a, a couple of years later. But we're not looking to become an apostle, but we are looking for, here's this, here's this, this message from the servant of the Lord. Here's this message from the apostle. We'll look at, into that in just a moment. But it says to them, now he's, he's, this is who he's addressed the letter to. Who is he addressing this to? He's addressing it to them that have obtained like precious faith. What does that mean? He's saying, I'm writing this to save people everywhere. That's to us. When we're reading this, he's writing it to me right now. Okay? He's writing it to you right now. Now, I want you to look at the very end of the chapter. Okay? We're going to look at the very end of the chapter. Now, we're going to devote an entire message to this. Okay. Now, just, I, I don't want to be nitpicky. But I always get a little bothered. Like, he's writing that to me. He's writing that to you right now. Let, let, whoa, slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down. Let's just be, make sure we're honest with this. First and foremost, he's writing to a specific people at a specific time. Now, you can say it's applicable to me. It's applicable to you. But the initial writing was to a specific group of people and living at a specific time. Right, we could do a book background study of Second Peter and get the, who the re original recipients were, what was the historical setting, what were the things addressed. So it, it, we, I just, I don't like to say he wrote it for me. No, he wrote it for them. But that message to them has application for me today. But we have to consider how what is being said to them. I, I just. I, I'm not trying to be too nitpicky there. It's just, I think I, it just gets really dangerous when I say, this was written to me. Well, we'll slow down, slow down. There was an original audience and original recipients of this letter, of the second epistle of Peter. There were original recipients of that letter and things are specifically applicable to them. All right. Now, well, we'll see how, how he's still going to get to his 
thesis, his hypothesis, that we absolutely need the church, and the church is like this amazing support structure. All right, let, let's see where we go here. Next week, Lord willing, on the reliability of the scriptures. Can we rely on the scriptures? The short answer is yes, we can. Next week, Lord willing, we'll jump into that, okay? But just uh, so that we can understand a little bit more, it says in uh, Peter, or sorry, 2 Peter 1, and it says in verse 16, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty, okay? So he's saying, these are not just beautiful stories. These are not cunningly devised fables. This is not found in the classical literature section of the library or in the bookstore where it's just, it's extra, extra special, okay? Uh, the people that try to say that, you know, the Bible's full of myths and all that kind of stuff, that certainly is not the, tri- is not the case, and we'll jump into that more next week, but. All right, very, <laughs> okay, uh, I, sometimes, I, 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 you don't want to get nitpicky, you don't want to get nitpicky, right, because, but, because every preacher has their own little things that they do. It's just interesting that his hypothesis is the church is necessary, the church is needful, the church is this great support apparatus, right, we, we need the church, and then he makes an allusion to what he's going to do next week, and you can almost feel that maybe next week's sermon is what he's been most recently working on because you can almost feel him now immediately leaving the original thesis or leaving the original hypothesis and wanting to almost go to what he's going to do next week because he immediately jumps down to verse 16, which is going to talk about the reliability of the Bible, that, hey, these are not cunningly devised fables. And he immediately starts going there. He almost goes into full apologetic mode to try to, well, he almost goes into the mode of answering the question, is the Bible reliable? He, he almost leaves his immediate hypo- his thesis and he goes to a different thesis that he's going to do next week. We've all, anyone has preached, you'll, you'll sometimes like you have your sermon ready, but during the week you're studying something else and you'll find yourself almost taking the most current study and wanting to kind of inject it in, in the sermon that you'd already prepared. It's always a danger, but okay. What we're looking for though, is the church, do we need the church to grow? Is the church necessary for growth? Well, we'll, we'll see if he, I mean, he's clearly going to go there. It's just, I just kind of, I guess from a preaching perspective, it's just kind of funny because I've I've done the same thing and you kind of realize, wait a minute, I'm leaving what the point is supposed to be. But all right, here we go. Um, it says here in verse number 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. So that means several things, but the simple explanation is there's not just one person that can stand up and say, I completely understand what the Bible is saying. I have special knowledge and hidden knowledge. Again, it's kind of funny because he's deviating, right? The, per, the sermon, the, the topic, the thesis, the hypothesis is that you need the church to grow. Now, think about this. You need the church to grow, however... Not one person has the truth. So not one person can just stand up and say, I have, according to what he, how he's interpreting that the scripture is of no private interpretation, 
right? Uh, verse 20, knowing uh, this first, that, the, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private inter- interpretation. Now, exactly, we, we, could, we could get into a See, I'm going to get distracted by it. But I just think it's interesting that if you really think about what he's just saying, does that possibly go against his hypothesis? Like, I would need the church if the church is the one who has the interpretation. They are the ones Think of it from a Catholic perspective. You have the magisterial authority, and they're the only ones who can offer an authoritative interpretation. Well, then I would absolutely need the church because I cannot correctly understand the word of God without the church. But the minute you say, no, not just one person, not just the church, any of us can interpret the Bible— well, then you immediately almost call into question the necessary, the necessity of the church. I don't know if he realized what he, I know he, he's jumping to what he's going to cover next week, but whatever week this was preached, he's kind of undermining, he's kind of going against his hypothesis is that you need the church. Well, you've already given me one reason why I don't need the church, because the church is not the storehouse of truth. The church is not the one that has all the truth and has all the information and has the authority to interpret. That is given to everyone. Well, the minute you say that, you, you've at least undermined one argument for needing the church because I don't need the church anymore. You, you, you see kind of what just happened there? That's kind of an interesting, I don't know if he realized that, but that's kind of just what happened. And, and at least to a certain degree, he undermined the necessity of the church by saying, hey, we're going to talk about the necessity of the church. Oh, by the way, not just one person, not just one entity has the interpretation or has the truth. Okay, well, then that means I don't need the church for the interpretation or for the truth because it can be found in another way. Of what the Bible is saying. No, no, it is we should be able to read the Bible and understand it. It's not just for a certain special closeted few. He's saying, hey, I'm writing this to who? Not just to special people, not just to the biblical elite. It's not just for the clergy. It's for those who have the common faith. Now, please note, see, it's not just it, the Bible can be read and understood. You don't need anybody. You don't need, you don't need all these other people. Anybody can read it and understand it. Now, the minute you make that claim, you're undermining the, the necess- necessity of the church. I just want you to see that, that from a logical way of thinking, hey, if anybody can read it and anybody can understand it, okay, and that you don't need the elite to supposedly interpret it for you, well, then you've undermined the necessity of the church. Now, he's going to have to come back and then rebuild up why the church is necessary because that's the claim he's made at the beginning of the sermon. (laughs) Okay, no, I'm not in any way picking on this preacher. I don't even know who it is, but I will say this. I've done the similar things. I've made a thesis statement at the beginning and then midway through the sermon, I think I've kind of undermined my, my beginning thesis. I've, I'm, I'm, what, what have I done, right? We've all, we've, I don't know if he's going to catch on to what he's done, but if you think about it, that's exactly what happened. I, look, you don't need the church to get the, inter- to understand the Bible because the Bible can be understood just by anyone, by, by, by simply reading it. It's simple. It's easy to understand. All right. So I don't need church. 
Well, not for that. But I need church to grow. Well, what, what, let me ask you, what's the number one thing to contribute to growth? I think we would have to say it's God's word. Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If the word of God is what contributes to your growth, it's like absolutely essential to your growth. And I don't need the church to get God's word because I have a copy of it and anyone can read it and anyone can understand it. You've kind of argued against the necessity of the church just through following the logical train of thought. Let, let's see how he, he's going to have to circle back around and make a case for it. All right, here we go. For believers, God wants you to have the scriptures. God wants you to understand the scriptures. That's the reason why he wrote it down. He didn't just say it to Peter and then Peter spoke and then it fell and it was over. It wasn't just oral tradition that was passed on story to story to story to story. He's like, no, I want you to write it down and I want every believer to have it. And it says in verse 21, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. It wasn't Peter who decided, you know what? I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write about some things that I understand about Christianity. That is not what we're looking at here. Okay. When we look at the names of the people who wrote the different books, it was not their decision in the sense where it was not by the will of man. It was not me saying, hey, I've got some thoughts about Christianity. I'm going to let me write those down. And then they're passed down. Okay, from generation to generation, and that's how we have a Bible. That's not how it happened. Verse 21, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. We believe in God. It is not a stretch to think that God can speak to a human being, and that human being can then write down the words that God speaks to him. That's how we have the word of God. Now, that's the very short answer. We'll get into the longer one later. But it's important for us when we're talking about growing in grace to understand we need the scriptures to grow. We need the scriptures to grow and the scriptures are for every believer. They're for all of us. Okay, now remember the the, the thesis is we need the church. Now he's not done anything to offer any support for that. Now he's completely diverted to now saying you need the scripture. And the scriptures are for every believer, meaning you don't need the church to get the scriptures because the scriptures are for everyone. And he's already made the assertion that the scriptures can be understood by everyone. You don't need the elite and no one person has the the corner on interpreting the Bible that anyone can interpret it. So anyone can interpret it. The scriptures are for everyone. Anyone can read it and understand it. He's literally... (laughs) He's literally undermining his basic statement. Now, I know we're only seven minutes in, but I'm just, I'm finding this fascinating because I'm like, okay, come on, you've got to, where are you going to go to say, see, you need the church. I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting for this because right now he's basically telling you, you just need the Bible. That's all you need. That's all you need. All right. Let's see how he circles back to proving his initial point. It's for me. It's for you. It's not just for a couple of few to, to, to go off and study in a school and then for everyone else to just be in the dark and say, well, we'll just kind of take your word for it. No, 
It says in verse number one that it's to them that have obtained like precious faith. Now let's look at these words real quick. Obtained. It means you have it. It doesn't mean you hope you have it. If you die today, are you 100% sure that you go to heaven? I hope so. That doesn't sound like obtained. What does obtained mean? It means you have it. It's yours. You've obtained the car. You've obtained the house. You've obtained the clothes that you're wearing right now. They're yours. You have them. You possess them. Okay? He's saying, I'm writing this to the people that have obtained the faith. Do we realize that salvation can be obtained? It can be yours. It's meant to be yours. Again, it's not meant for just a couple select few out there who are super, super good, okay? Or the people that have worked really, really hard at it. No, no, no. Thank God it is those who have obtained. And notice how he describes the faith. I love this. We should love the wording. Don't you just love the way the Bible is worded? Now, sometimes the words are a little uncommon. We got to look them up. That's okay. Okay, that means God's a little smarter than me. And you would kind of expect him to be a little smarter than us. Okay. Um, have obtained like precious faith. It's also described as the common faith. Obtained like precious faith. Uh, there is an internet teacher, Christian teacher out there. And my pastor friends have told me about this guy and we communicate the different, lots of pastors around Canada and in the U.S. we communicate. And, uh, and they said, hey, you know, uh, just wanted to let you know about this one particular guy on YouTube. And he tries to say that there are three different salvations in the Bible. There's the one from Jesus, there's the one from Paul, and there's the one from, who else does he say? Somebody else. Peter, maybe, I'm not sure. Anyway, there's three different salvations. Uh, that's not what the Bible says. Uh, don't worry, we'll eventually get, because we're going through a series, we're going to preach through the book of, of Second Peter. Chapter 2 talks about false teachers, the warning of false teachers. Okay, the, the point here is you don't need the church. So now he's just pointed out, here's a pastor out there who's teaching there's three different kinds of salvation. You're really... <laughs> Now, first of all, he's already said that anyone can read the Bible, interpret the Bible. But there's this pastor out there, pastor, church, connected to a church, who teaches there's three kinds of salvation. Now, remember, he's saying the church is necessary. He's already shown us that that you don't need the church to get the truth. And now he's pointing out that here's a pastor somewhere who's a false teacher, who's a part of a church. You're literally making the argument that the church is the last thing you want for your spiritual growth. I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time not laughing here because he's clearly not attempting to do this, but he's really undermining without trying is undermining his own argument. You need the church to grow. It is the apparatus for spiritual growth. It's the, or for spiritual help. It's what you need. Okay. Now guys, listen, the Bible Nobody has the corner on it. Nobody has the only, you know, the church is not the only one who can interpret it. We all can interpret it. The Bible is for all of us and you can understand it by reading it, right? So you don't need the church for that. Oh, and let me tell you this story about this pastor who's all messed up and confused. And I'm going to tell you about false teachers. 
the false teachers are in the church. So the church could actually be detrimental because if I turn to the church, there could be churches with false teachers, but I don't need those teachers because I can just read and understand the Bible. But obviously those false teachers can just read and understand the Bible. Okay, well, all right. I, I'm, I, we're, we're 10 minutes in. So far, it seems he's building a case of why we don't need the church. I'm waiting for now it to transition back to here's why we need the church based off Second Peter. Here we go. How do we know if someone's telling us the truth? Well, Pastor Corey said, ah, wrong answer. Because I can be wrong. You know what's always right? The word of God's always right. You realize that God wanted us to know the truth? He didn't say, hey, just trust whatever Peter said. Mm Mm-mm. No, no, no. We're not just trusting what Peter said. Matter of fact, again, notice I'm jumping ahead of myself. You'll, you'll, you'll find it. Okay. I'm trying to follow this logic. Okay. We're not to trust what Peter said. Are you saying we're not to trust what, in other words, when we're not to trust any oral tradition but we're to trust what Peter wrote. I, I, I don't think, clearly we have to trust what Peter said in the sense of what Peter wrote. That, that, because obviously we believe what Peter wrote is inspired scripture. So I think that's what he meant there. It just seemed like, you, you, don't, you don't, don't trust what Peter said. Well, aren't we reading what Peter said? Okay, I'm, I'm assuming what, he, he'd be drawing a distinction. Sp- speaking of his oral tradition and writing is, is the inspired word of God. Maybe, maybe that's what he, he means there. All right, let's continue. I do that a lot. Verse 16, once again, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables. He's like, look, guys, we're not, we're not believing these make-believe things here, okay? Uh, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, Peter actually saw Jesus. He knew what his face looked like. He saw him perform miracles. He was there on the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw everything. But Peter is not saying, believe me. Believe me as me. Notice. It says in verse number 19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. We're not just believing it because Peter wrote it down and he was an eyewitness. We're believing it because the God himself told Peter to write these things down. This is God speaking to us. We can. I want. I want he's kind of undermining. Did wouldn't you believe that since P- Peter was an apostle, did he have not apostolic authority? So that when they spoke, were they not to be believed when they spoke? Did they not have apostolic authority? Like this is kind of weird because you know before the the. Truth was disseminated through the teaching of the apostles prior to anything being written because the, the see, what was Second Peter? Do I have a, let me give, I don't have, let me see here. Let me just look this up. Okay, I'm, I'm a little, I'm, I'm trying to follow this logic. This is supposed to be, why, you know, why we need the church. <laughs> okay, Second Peter, I'm going to look here. Let's see here. Second uh, Peter. Second Peter. 
Looking here, do we have a authorship? We have a discussion about the authorship. Uh, canonical acceptance. Okay. Uh, okay, there was there was doubts concerning the authorship in a letter uh, recorded by Origen. That's 185-254. Okay, they said there was some discussions about should it belong here. Uh, we have the outline. Do we have a dating of it? Do we have a dating of it? Um, the date of composition has proven to be very difficult to determine. Taken literally, it would have been written between 65 and 68 AD. All right. So, so somewhere between 65 and 68 AD. So, so uh, just please note, Jesus, we say, well, we say he was crucified in 33 AD. That's 33 AD. And second Peter is not even written down to almost, somewhere close to 68 AD. That, that's a that's a number of years. So in the meantime, before we have a completed and, and we don't even get a formula of a completed canon to much later, we we believe that the church was taught and led by the verbal teaching of the apostles because they had apostolic authority. So there would have been some time you would have had to believe what the apostles were saying. So from a historical perspective, it's got no, you don't just believe Peter. You, you believe what he writes down because God told him to write it down, but he's not going to write it down for 30-something years after Jesus has been crucified, died, buried, and ascended back to the right hand of the Father. You get a 30-year period before this is even going to be written down, a, a little over 30 years. So, and, and you don't even get a completed canon until much later. So, I, I still don't know what does this have to do about why I need the church. Okay, all right, let, let's continue here. And rely on the scriptures. It's not just for a, a, a chosen few. It is for us. It is for everyone who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us. Now, he's drawing the group. He's trying to show Again, the very last verse says, and we know this one, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So from the very first verse, he's talking about, he's talking about an us. He's talking about, I'm a servant of the Lord. I'm an apostle. There's a, there's a common faith. There's like precious faith. And then he's saying, I want you to, I want you to, 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 to know what we know. I want you to grow in the knowledge of what God has given us in his word. Obtained like precious faith with us. There's an us. There's a group. There's a gathering. There are individual people that have trusted Christ as their savior. They have the faith. That person has 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 the faith. It's like precious faith. And then they come together and they form an us. They have a group. And when he goes through and he begins to talk about how we can grow in grace, it's spoken in a group setting. It's spoken to a group. God never designed us. He never designed the Christian life for us to go off by ourselves in our own home, in our own time, 
and grow by ourselves. That is not the way it's designed. And people that... Okay, so he's, he's really this us, 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 us is where he's going. That this, this somehow proves we need the church. Okay, now he, he, all right, just, I just immediately just grabbed commentaries and just started looking for us. Us may mean either the apostles, like precious faith with us, like you have like precious faith with the apostles. Now remember, he's already said, this is for, this is written to us. This is written to us. So clearly the us here is different than the us then. So like, I, I th- is he referring to we need the church, just the church in a generic way? Or is he talking to a local assembly? Because the us here, like precious faith with us, uh, the us here is, is, according to this, um, can may mean either the apostles or more probably the first Christians as distinct from those converted later. Jewish as distinct from Gentile Christians. This shows that Gentile converts are chiefly addressed with this epistle as Jewish Jewish and the first epistle. Uh, the this show okay, uh Gentiles would be more likely to be doubters respecting uh re- respecting Christ's return to judgment than Jews well acquainted with Hebrew prophecies on the subject. So he may be like they, they don't have anything here about like this is the church. He's he's just talking about Jewish converts from maybe uh, Gentile converts. I mean, I don't see. Let's see here. Note this is interesting that no particular churches are mentioned. The second epistle is more general or Catholic in its address than the first. Here again, we have a mark of independence. Um. So no, no specific church is even mentioned in this. So he's going to a letter where no specific church is mentioned to say, but he's grabbing the word us and say, see, we need us. We need us. And we have to come together to be this us. And without this us, we cannot grow. It's just a real weird way to try to prove, but he's already demonstrated that the us, when we come together as the us, I don't need you because I can interpret the Bible because it's easily understood. And in fact, we could come together as us, and some of you could be false teachers. So I've got to be aware. So I, I don't, I'm baffled by this approach to prove that we need the church just by using the word us. Hey, this mentions us. And he doesn't do any, like, he's not even willing to engage all the different maybe commentaries about who the us is and what it's referencing. And he seemingly has not even bothered to bring up the fact that no specific church is mentioned in 2 Peter. So are you saying we need the universal church? The invisible universal church to grow? Now, he's made it clear we need the scriptures, but the church doesn't control the scriptures. So I don't need the church for the scriptures. The church doesn't have authority to interpret the scriptures alone. So I don't need the church for their, I don't need the church to get the scriptures. I don't need the church for their interpretation. So why do I need the church? Well, well, I just need the us. I need the us. Well, how does the us, all right, let's just let him finish this out. Okay, I'm, I'm trying to follow this to the best of my ability, but it's just frustrating. As soon as I pick up a commentary, they start offering all the different possibilities of us and immediately demonstrate that the church is not mentioned here. And he's not brought any of these facts into his hypothesis and trying to prove that this is telling me I need the church to grow. Try that. Don't grow. Pastor, I'm just having a really difficult time growing. Are you a part of the us? 
Okay. Now, hang on. Let's back this up. All right, here we go. And grow by ourselves. That is not the way it's designed. And people that try that don't grow. Pastor, I'm just having a really difficult time growing. Are you a part of the us? Okay. He makes a dogmatic statement. If you try it on your own, you don't grow. Now, that's a crazy dogmatic claim to make. Hey, if you're not a part of us, you don't grow. Now, who's the us? He's got to be referring to a local congregation. You have to be a part of a local congregation or you will not grow. Now, so far, he's not told me why, because he's already demonstrated that it's the scriptures. He's already told me the way I grow is because of the scriptures and the church doesn't have control of the scriptures. The church doesn't have control of interpreting the scriptures and the scriptures are for all of us and any of us can interpret it. But I have to be a part of us or I will not grow. So what is it that, that if I'm, if I'm not a part of us, I will not grow? Like that's, that's an absolutely dogmatic, dogmatic assertion. And I will, I bet you there are hundreds of people who've been a part of an us and they didn't grow because the church in many cases didn't contribute to their growth. It actually hurt and harmed their growth. You've got to at least account for that because it would be crazy to say that that's not true because there's thousands of stories of it. Now, I'm not saying that's the way it should be, and I'm not saying that we throw out the church as a result. It's just, I, I'm just trying to follow his, his whole argument is on, it says us. <laughs> All right, let's continue. Are you a part of the group? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, let's look at verse number 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, stop. Let's look at verse number 11 first. Okay, he gave apostles. We talked about them just for a moment. That's Peter's one of those. Okay, and we'll just talk about him just for a second. Prophets and some evangelists, okay, and pastors and teachers. Now, how do we get the benefits of all of these teachers and all of this background? How do we get the benefit of that? Okay, verse number 12. For the And, and what is their job? Their job is for the perfecting of the saints or for the maturing of the saints. Okay? The reason why God has given all of these different offices is to bring us into maturity. And let's put it another way, to bring us to growth. Okay, now wait a minute. I do agree that that's why God gave to the church people in these offices for the equipping of the saints, the maturing of the faith, for to help those grow as Christians. I completely agree. But he's already asserted that the Bible is not just for these people. It's for everyone, and everyone has access to the Bible. Everyone can read it. Everyone can understand it, and that's what you need to grow. So, yes, the church can contribute, but you can't say, I need them, because you've already established that I can just pick it up and read it and understand it, so I don't need them. I can 
benefit from them, but I don't necessarily need them. This is one of the this is one of the issues that when uh, when we go back to the Protestant Reformation, there was that major jump that happened. You need the church. The church is the one who can in- interpret the Bible. It has the authority to do so. Nope, we reject the church. We reject its authority. Boom! It's Scripture and Scripture alone. Well, who can interpret the Bible? Anyone and everyone. Perpetuity of the Scripture. Per, uh, per, per, perpetuity of the Scriptures. That it's easy to understand and we can understand it, or at least everything related to salvation, depending on how you want to look at the perspicuity of scripture and how you want to uh, define that that doctrine. And we could get into a discussion there. But uh, but in a roundabout way, it's like you don't need the church. You just need the scriptures. Now, I understand this is telling you what the church is for. This is what the church is supposed to be doing. It's supposed to be equipping saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Now, I could ask ourselves, churches have been around for 2,000 years. Have we come to the unity of the faith? 2,000 years of churches, are, are Christians still not children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine? Biblical illiteracy is at an all-time high. The theological illiteracy is at an all-time high. We've talked about it over and over. So clearly the churches are not doing that job. So if the churches are not doing this job, then how can you say you need the church? Well, you've got to find a church that's doing its job. Okay, maybe that's the case. But can this job occur without the church? If you say that the, how the way these men the way these people in these offices accomplish this, this thing of equipping saints is through the preaching of God's word. Then can I get the same benefit by my own study of God's word? And if you say, yes, you can, then you say, I don't need the church. Now, if you say, no, the church, the, 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 the leaders of the church are the only ones who can teach the Bible, then, then I do need them. But the minute you say, I, anyone can do it, then I don't need them. See, you, you, you kind of walk yourself into a corner here. And a lot of this problems arise from the Protestant Reformation, which we've talked about. All right, we're going to run out of time. Let's see if we can make it a little further here. God has given teachers. He calls people into the ministry. He called the Peter to be an apostle. And he calls pastors and teachers, both men and women. Okay, women are teachers as well. Miss April's over there teaching. Why? Why is she over there teaching? For growth, to grow in grace, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the building up. Now, again, it's let's not let's not lose the beauty in in in, in the language here. We need the church to grow in grace. We've talked about the last couple of weeks how. Oftentimes we want things to change in our life. I want change. I want that to change. People have this idea where they come to God, they come to church, they learn a little bit, and they kind of think, I'm going to get some knowledge, I'm going to understand God a little better, and then this will change in my life. Is that true? In some cases it is, but most of the time what God is interested in is he's interested in changing us. 
He's not interested in us going to church and, 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 and getting a little knowledge about God and then, and then God changing everything and, and, and he's going to change our work situation. He's going to change our family situation. He's going to change our financial situation. No, no, no. He's going to teach you a truth. Remember, that's why he gave us the Bible. He gave us the Bible so that it's, the truth is not just floating out there in the universe somewhere or it doesn't just die some 2,000 years ago when Peter got the first word from the Holy Spirit and he spoke it to that first group. No, no. He wants for us to have it with us. Why? Because he wants us to grow. Okay, so then I come up and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the Bible. I've got my Bible. I've got it on my device or I ordered one off of Amazon and now I've got my Bible. How does all this work? Guys, we need to be taught. We, we've got to come and we need to be taught. Now, wait a minute. So now, wait a minute. Now I need to be taught. Okay. So earlier he was making it sound like no, no one person has the corner here. Now he's saying, no, you, you need to be taught. See, if you just get a Bible, you can't figure it out. You need to be taught. So now I need the church in order to be taught, which means I can't just get it from learning the Bible. So now he's just made the church I am trying to follow the, the logic here is all over the place. He made it sound at the beginning. No, the church, the, the Bible's not given to any private interpretation. It's not for just the elite special few. And no, this is for every, the Bible's for everyone. Anyone can read it. Anyone can understand it. Now, if you order that Bible, you don't know what to do. So now you need someone. You now need the church to explain it to you. Meaning then, you, the Bible alone is not sufficient. The Bible with a qualified teacher is sufficient. But then how are you supposed to know that the teacher is telling the truth? Well, you're supposed to check it with the word. But how can I check it with the word when I need a teacher to tell me what it means? I'm so confused here. All right, let's continue. And what do we learn when we come and we are taught the truth? We are taught that God wants us to change. He wants us to grow. He wants to grow me. How does that, but, 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 but where, but how? In church. Growth occurs at church. Growth occurs at church. That was his design it says, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, when you see the word like that, body of Christ, that's referring to the church. The church is the body of Christ. Now, let's look at something here. Verse number 14. Yeah, so I'm in Ephesians 4, verse number 14. That we henceforth be no more children. Now, again, we see, we see the difference in the language here. Okay? Uh, in verse number 13, it talks about a perfect man or a, or a mature person. He's, talking, he's drawing the distinction between those who are growing and growing in their maturity, they're growing in grace, and those who are children. Right? We see the difference. Okay, don't lose me here. I know today's a little bit more academic. I get that. We're here for knowledge too. <laughs> That's how we. 
I don't know how this is more academic. This is more like you're all, you've been, I'm so confused. Hey, look, the church, nobody has any private interpretation. The Bible is not just for some one person to interpret it. It's for everyone and you can interpret it. You can read it. And how do you grow? You grow because of the scriptures. Now you get your scriptures. Oh, well, you can't figure it out. So now you need the church. So the church doesn't have control over it, but I need the church. But you've already demonstrated that some within the church are false teachers. Well, how do I know what is true? Well, I check the Bible. Well, how do I know to check the Bible if you tell me that I can't figure it out without the church to tell me what it means? Do, do, do I need the church or do I not need the church? And if I'm the one supposed to be checking the church, well, then how can I check? Because I need them to help me understand it. But do I do I need on one hand, he wants me to say that I need them. On the other hand, he wants me to say that I don't need them. I, I, that is so like really, this is, you need, you don't need, you need, you don't need, you need, you don't need. Like, well, so which is it? Do I need, do I not need, do I, do I, can I do it? And you can't grow without it. You've got to be there with it. If you're not there, you can't grow. However, scriptures is what help you grow and the scriptures are for everyone and you don't need anyone to interpret them for you. However, you need the church to interpret them for you. We're at an hour. I'm just going to try to find a stopping point here. Let's see if we can find a stopping point. That's how we learn. That's how we grow in in the Christian life. Okay? If someone is struggling and they need something to change, God's saying, I want you to change. How how does he want us to change? He wants us to grow. Where Where do we grow? We grow in church. Not only when we hear the message, but when we see the examples, when we see one another, we, we, we see what other people are doing and we learn from them. Now, please note, he's not given any passage of scripture for this whole, the way we, the, we grow two ways in church. We grow by hearing God's word preached, and he seemingly to indicate that I need the church to help me understand it after he's already demonstrated that I don't need the church. So that's already confusing. Now he's saying it's by the witness, but he's not giving me any scripture about by witnessing other people, by witnessing other people. Or, you know, I have to, if I go to church, I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to witness when I go to other church, to church to see when, when you go to church, you don't witness the reality of who people really are. They're, they're the people they are at church. They're probably very different on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but uh, okay. I, I'm, I'm still, and this all started, this whole thing started because us, the word us in second Peter one is how this all began. And it's just. Okay, we got to find a stopping point. He says in verse number 14, I want to see the opposite of this. The opposite of someone who doesn't grow. Or let's put it another way. The opposite of someone who just doesn't go to church. A Christian, but they don't go. They don't think that church is necessary for their growth. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children. Again, talking about maturity. Tossed to and fro. I I feel like I'm struggling connecting with you guys just a little bit today. But I want us to see that the exact same sequence is extended over here in Peter. Don't lose me. I got to take off my jacket. I'm burning off.
I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him because I, at least from listening, the, the audience just sounds absolutely like I don't even know if anyone's in the building. I mean, like they, it is silence. You can hear you could hear. I mean, I think a mouse would make more noise. It's like, I don't know if anyone is with him. So I, from someone who's preached, I can feel like, okay, is anybody with me? Is it, in fact, this morning, a couple of times I felt like, is anybody here? Is anybody with me? You just get this look on everybody's face. Like they're not even, they're like in some la la land. So I feel, I, I feel, I feel like he's getting a little frustrated here. And I was taking off his coat. He's burning up. He's burning up because he probably feels like he's losing the crowd. So I, I, I feel bad here, but at the same time, that is insane to say that verse 14 is talking about those who don't go to church. See, if you don't go to church, you're a child tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Give me a break. That describes the people in the church today. The people in the church are being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine because the church is not equipping people. That's why there's all these parachurch ministries that come along to try to do what the church isn't doing. And and think about it this way: if if the ch- if just going to church accomplished this, then why do you have to have church, and then you have to have a small group, and then you're told that the small group does what the church can't do? Like it's just constantly. I think there's been too much evidence to go. So many people go to church, and they're still tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. So I think it's completely unfair to say the, the people who don't go to church are tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. The people who do, they've got it all figured out. They've got it. They're, they're, they've got it. They're, they're, they're set. That's just, that's a massive dogmatic assertion. That And, and yet he's really not even, pre- and again, he's, he's argued against, he's already argued, he's already made an argument against his point. His point is you need the church, but he's already told you that no one person, no church has the corner on interpretation. So I don't need the church for interpretation. I don't need the church for the scriptures because the scriptures are for all of us and that we can all read them and understand them. But then he immediately turned around later and said that I need the church to help me understand it. But then he said that you can't trust every preacher because there's a preacher on YouTube who says there's three different salvations. So how do you know that preacher is false? Well, by reading the scriptures, but I can't interpret the scriptures without the church. <laughs> so it's so, it is so crazy. All right, so let's see if we can at least get to this point where he, 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 he gets ready to transition to a different point. Don't lose me on this one. Which apostle wrote the Ephesians? Paul did. Okay, this is one reason why we know that scripture came from God is because when we look at Peter and we look at Paul, yeah, they kind of knew each other, but they were, they were in totally different parts of the world. And when they're writing something, it's like, wow, how, how does this match up completely with, with, what, with what my buddy Peter over here is writing? Because it all came from God. And even different years, I mean, same time frame, they were both alive at the same time. But he's trying to say, hey, there's an us. You guys see the us here? There's, there's the apostles, the prophets, the preachers, the teachers, for what purpose? For growth. That's the, that's the purpose. Okay, well, what happens if we don't grow? What happens if we don't grow is we're going to be like children. We're going to be tossed to and fro. Well, what does that mean? Like, okay, he's kind of giving us like a boating, which back then in that culture, it was very common. All around the Mediterranean Sea, everybody was familiar with boats. All, all of the major towns were fairly close to the Mediterranean Sea. And these big storms would come up and they knew. When, when in that culture, in that particular time, when he's describing immaturity and being tossed around like you're on a boat without a sail or without a captain, it made perfect sense to people when he's drawing this word picture. 
right? So he's saying, you're like children tossed to and fro, verse number 14. Now, how does he describe them being tossed to and fro? Tossed, but okay, look, stop. Does tossed to and fro sound like growth? What does tossed to and fro mean? Just discombobulated. There's a big word. I don't even know how to spell that one. It's like your life is inside the dryer. You guys ever put a shoe in the dryer? Right? Right? Yeah? And the, look, my wife is awesome. And uh, something that she's learned to do nowadays with Marcus, because he's a little boy, what does she have to do before she throws his stuff in the washer and the dryer? He has to check the pockets. What's in his pockets? Heaven knows. Crayons. Money. Somehow he gets money. I don't know where he gets the money from. <laughs> right? You know what happens if you keep, you know, a crayon? A little color? You know what happens if you keep that in the pants pocket and it goes to the dryer? Man, I'll tell you what. Everything's got a stain on it. Right? It's all, it's, it, the heat, it's just tossed and tossed. Tossed. Being tossed around. Just, it's tossed around. You know, some people's lives are, they're, they're not, hey, some people's lives are described not by growth. Not by learning. Not by maturing in the faith, where the faith seems to make more sense to them, where they kind of, kind of get, they kind of get it a little bit. Month after month, they kind of like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not an expert by the way, the Apostle Paul says, I'm not attained. I'm not an expert. But they're kind of, they're, they're getting it. They're growing. They're seeing it work in their daily life. Then you've got other ones, they're just tossed. They're tossed around. They've got no stability. They've got nothing holding them down. And so then because they're being tossed around, they start looking for answers. I don't know what to do. Where do people nowadays, where do they go when they look for answers? Right? Everything from how to change a tire to why am I so confused in my life right now? Which you don't want to Google that. Oh, I know. All the experts are on YouTube. I'll YouTube it. Thankfully, the Holy Ghost and Scripture, that's what determines truth, not algorithms. Algorithms determine what's most popular and what pops up to the top or maybe who's paid for all of their friends. And, and they've got, you know, and it's like, oh, that's what, oh, so that, that's got the most views. So that, that must be what's true. No, that's not what's true. Toss to and fro. By what? What tosses them to and fro? I'm keeping this going because I, I have a feeling that I, I'm getting ready to have a meltdown here because his whole thing is, okay, the church doesn't have the, uh, you know, the corner on interpretation, no one man. So uh, th that you don't go to them for the interpretation because you've got the Bible. God wants everyone to have the Bible. You can read it and understand it. Then he backtracked and said, when you get a Bible, though, you're, you can't figure it out. So you need the church because the church is going to be the one to interpret it for you. Now he's getting ready to tell you the thing that tosses you to and fro. <laughs>
is going to be the teaching of men. Okay. Well, what do you get in church? Okay. Oh man. Okay. All right. Let, let's see where he goes here. I think, I think this is going to go. He's going one direction. Then he reverses. Now I think he's getting ready to revert, reverse right back. I think he's getting ready to undermine his entire argument here. That's a good question because it describes what is tossing these immature believers. They're not growing. They're being tossed. Hey, growth is slow and steady. My parents haven't seen my kids in a couple of months. And we were in the States last week. We met with my parents for about 12 hours. Real quick. One of the first things that popped out of their mouth was, wow, you've grown. What didn't happen overnight? It grows slowly. Marcus's pants go from here to here. Always buying pants. For that child. People, listen. There's a huge difference in the life of a Christian who grows. And they they grow into the understanding of scripture. And they grow into the knowledge of how to make decisions in their life. And they grow into not making emotional choices. It doesn't happen overnight. It's growth. It's progress. That only happens at church. It only happens at church. And by the way, even when we... See, there, there we go again. It only happens at church. It only happens at church. If your growth only happens at church, you, no way you, you would have... You're only at church at a very small... Take all the hours in a year that you are at church and all of the hours that you're not at church and you're going to say the only place growth occurs is at church? That is insanity. That is not, to me, that is not only not biblically, uh, uh, biblically accurate. It just doesn't make any sense from a logical standpoint. You spend most of your life outside of church. If growth is only happening in church, then you're not growing very much. You're only there for an hour or two on a Sunday for crying out loud. Some people may come back Sunday night. A very few will come back on a Wednesday night. Some churches don't even have a Wednesday night or a Sunday night service. The only place you grow is at church. How can you make that assertion? There's no growth takes place Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. See, he's just basically, you have to go to church. If you don't, you don't grow. That, that's basically the assertion he's made. We come to church, we, have to, we still have to be very diligent and very intentional for our path to be that of growth. But what causes them to be so tossed? They're looking for answers and everything is just tossed around. It says tossed around and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Whoa. What does that mean? They're looking for answers. They want to know what to do. And instead of just coming and planting themselves in a local church the way God designed it, they go looking. Tasting. 
Googling. He definitely doesn't want anyone looking anything up on the internet, it appears. But the thing is, in any church, can't any, every wind of doctrine appear in that church? See, you're assuming that what you're being told from the pulpit, see, for his thing to work, you go to a local church and you can trust it. You can trust it, which would imply that the church does have the corner on interpretation. So, because the only way this works is, hey, you can't trust anybody else, but you get implanted in a local church and you can trust that. But how do you, how do you know you can trust that? How do you know you can trust that? Is it infallible? No. Well, then do I have to check it? Yes. Do I have the ability to check it? I don't know. He's been all over the place with these answers. And what is their life typified by? Growth? No. Confusion. Confusion. Their life is typified by, not by growth. I want answers. Answers come through growth. You know, one of the awesome things about God is if you do things your, if you do things his way, you will have the answer when you need the answer. Here's the awesome thing about just doing things God's way. The timing is perfect. Okay, we're going to have to stop there. We're one hour and 16 minutes. Uh, there's 15 minutes left. It's called, Do I Need Do I Need Church to Grow? I think you can find it on the Sermons 2.0 app. Uh, Do I Need Church to Grow? I, I think that's where I'm, I, I was getting ready to look it up, but I think that's, that's probably where I found it uh, on the Sermons 2.0 app. Please listen to the last 15 minutes and let me know it, where the answer is. But just remember this weird progression of thought. Hey, that no one has private interpretation, meaning no one person has the corner on it. Why? Well, because God is giving you the scripture and you can read it and you can understand it. Then he turns around and says, when you buy that Bible off Amazon and you get it, you're like, I can't figure all of this out. So you need the church to explain it to you, which would mean they have the corner. But then he says, well, you can't just trust what anyone says because there's false teachers, which he already established at the beginning. So if there's false teachers, well, then can I trust the church? And if I'm the one who's supposed to be checking the false teachers, how can I check the false teachers if I need people to tell me what the Bible means? <laughs> because the people who are telling me what the Bible means could be false teachers. So how do I know if they're telling me the truth? Well, you check it with scripture, but you told me that I can't figure it out without the church. But then you tell me that the church doesn't have the corner on the market that I can read it and figure it out. So which is it? Do I need the church or not? And how can I need the church if I'm the one having to make sure the church is teaching the truth because it's my responsibility to figure out what the Bible says and then check what they're teaching? Then I don't need the church. The church needs me to keep them, to make sure that they're teaching the truth. Like I, the whole thing is just a mad circle. It's like this circular reasoning and you can't get off the hamster wheel. It's really bizarre. So I don't, we went. 28 minutes and 49 seconds. He's done nothing to prove that we need the church. In fact, he's made an argument against his very assertion. And he's gotten here by using the word us and second Peter chapter one, verse one, without even bothering to look at what the word us could be referring to. And I, I, even that wouldn't even prove. I, I don't, I don't, I don't under, I don't understand. 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 And then he's made an absolute dogmatic assertion that if you don't go to church, you can't grow. And that's just, there you go.
<laughs> okay, so and I'm assuming someone just said, "Do I need church to grow?" Um, from Sparrow Baptist Church, and I'm, I'm assuming it's in, it's in the uh, Sermon Audio 2.0 app. The Sermon Sermons 2.0 app is where you can find it. By all means, listen to the last 15 minutes. Listen to it. Maybe in the last 15 minutes, he magically just pulls this all together and it makes sense. But he, this has gone so many different directions that I am complete. I don't even know the answer anymore. I don't even know. I don't, I don't even know what his answer is because he's kind of told me I don't need it, but then I do need it, but then I don't need it. And I, I don't even know what, I don't know what I need. I, I need, I need, uh, I need, I need to take some medicine for my head. That's what I need because in what? About about two hours, I'm going to be standing behind a pulpit, and we're going to be working on Matthew 24. I definitely need some medicine for my head. Okay, <laughs> there there we go. That that just that just I just think it's interesting because that goes right along with what we talked about back back on March the 29th when I asked, "Hey, what what contributes to your growth?" And remember, I did not get one reply that said church. I'm, they may have had church like number five or six, but nobody put church at number one. Some didn't even include church. He's saying without it, you can't grow. So all the people who didn't put church down, you're not growing. Your children being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine because you need the church. However, the church doesn't have the corner on giving you the interpretation, but you need the church to give you the interpretation. However, they could be giving you a false interpretation. So it's your responsibility to know what is taught, but you need them to teach. I don't even know. I've lost. I've lost it. I've, it's all it's all completely confusing now. I need. Uh, we need someone to make a chart. We need someone to make a chart. We need someone to make a chart. We need a chart built, a flow chart, just following this, <laughs> this discussion because it is so, I, but, and I, 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 you know what? I feel like, I feel like that his ser- that he had prepared a sermon on the, being able to trust God's word and it kind of circumvented the sermon that he was going to preach about we need the church. And it, it just, I don't know, it just something went wrong. But my sermons go wrong all the time. So, um, yeah, we, we, need, we need someone to build a chart right here. We need a flow chart. I mean, I'm not lying. If you try to flow chart this thing out, do, do I need the church? Can we this? No, here, go back to here. I think you're just going to find, you're going to end up with a circle. You're just going to end up with a circle and you're never going to get out of the circle. And, and we could argue, this is just, I'll end with this very important theological question. I wonder if this circle really is what happens within the Protestant world by rejecting the, infallibil- the infallib- infallibility of the church to offer an authoritative interpretation. I mean, it gets into some serious theology there, but I think I think it's important. But I'll stop right here because I got to get ready for this evening. All right, thanks for listening. Six p.m. tonight, uh, Church One app is the best way to listen to us if you want to do that. And uh, we'll be we'll be Matthew twenty four. So make sure you're ready. All right, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks, Twyla. Everyone have a great day. God bless.